is Monday the 31st of January 2022 at 001003. And it is time for another episode of Crash the UK Geek Podcast. Hello everyone. Oh, I just woke up from a nap. It is really windy out there. I thought I was dreaming all this, but the wind is howling like anything. It sounds like the big bad wolf is outside and wants to blow the house down. I read recently somewhere that that fairy tale, The Three Little Pigs, doesn't end the way I thought it did when I was a child. Oh, they didn't tell me this, but all fairy tales are like this. They're watered down for the delicate sensibilities of the modern child. But apparently, at the end of that myth, the wolf either dies or is killed by the last pig, and then the pig eats the wolf. Hmm. Anyway, I am back. Expect more annoying little tangents like that throughout the show. You all know me by now. Let us start with the state of the rewatch, and then we will talk about, finally, Doctor Who, Destiny of the Daleks from 1979. The state of the rewatch is largely centred around the state of my right eye, which still itches and waters. Try doing absolutely anything when you constantly itch. But, you know what's happening? It is getting better. I'm not sure why it's getting better. The only thing I did differently and noticed an improvement was go out and cut the hedge the other day. And I noticed after I'd been out for a while, either the sweat or perhaps the sun, maybe, getting a little sun on it seemed to make it a little better. So I tried that again. A few days later, tried to get some sun on it, and almost immediately the raw bits around my right eye dried, scabbed up, and started falling off. Disgusting, I know, and I agree with you. <laughs> but my poor eye is recovering. Everyone, a big round of applause for Roy's right eye. More good news is that this is a new year and we're finally starting a new season of Vintage Doctor Who on an unscheduled day for one of my revisits. But it occurs to me that if I just don't pull my finger out and do it, I never will. So that's why we're doing it very, very, very early on Monday morning. For some reason, when I was doing the show notes for Destiny of the Daleks, I went a little overboard, and these are quite long show notes, so I'm guessing this will be a slightly longer than average episode. I know last time, when I did one of those normal geek episodes, not a Doctor Who revisit, I said that I wanted to give you half an hour. When I came to editing it, that was only about 28, 
and a bit minutes. I think it should be over half an hour tonight, but who can tell? I can never really tell until I do the editing, but there is certainly quite a lot of show notes. The other thing that I wanted to tell you was that... Oh, well, it's not really that important, but I'm, again, speaking into my Shure SM58. I was going to get up just before this and set up the SM7B. I just didn't have time, again, mainly because I had that nap. Hopefully that will be set up next time and there might be a sound difference. I'm not sure how much the difference will be, but we'll see. Let us then start off, as usual, with our cast crew and production notes. In Destiny of the Daleks, the fourth Doctor is played by Tom Baker. His companions are Romana, played by Lala Ward, and K-9, played by John Leeson. The director was Ken Grieve. I can't remember if I've mentioned him before, who knows by now, but I found that he was a TV director. I think he worked on Coronation Street, but more relevant to us, he worked on the excellent The Omega Factor, Bugs, and other stuff. But those are the two geeky things of note that he worked on. The writer was Terry Nation, edited by Douglas Adams, which will become relevant later. The producer, Graham Williams. Regarding location, there was on-location filming in Dorset at the BBC Visual Effects Studio in Acton and BBC Television Centre at Shepherd's Bush. Destiny of the Daleks was first broadcast from the 1st to the 22nd of September 1979, roughly six months following the Armageddon factor that we covered in pod 420. It is story 104 and serial one of season 17, consisting of four 25-minute episodes. For our On This Day in the UK segment, I could find nothing that happened in the UK. But On This Day in Space? Oh yes, I did find something. Let me read you out this quote from NASA. On September the 1st, 1979, Pioneer 11 passed within 13,000 miles of Saturn's cloud tops at a velocity of 71,000 miles per hour. During the encounter, it sent back data on the planet, its rings, and its satellites, including 440 images. Based on the data, scientists learned that Saturn's atmosphere consists mostly of liquid hydrogen, and confirmed that the planet had a magnetic field. Images of Saturn's moon, Titan, revealed an orange cloud-shrouded globe with a global temperature of minus 315 degrees Fahrenheit. Pioneer 11 discovered two new moons and one new ring orbiting Saturn. 
There you go. Something of note did happen elsewhere in the universe. As usual, let us start off with a short audio clip, and then I'll follow that up by telling you what happens, and then what I thought. Here we go then. Roll clip in three, two, one. Scissors cuts paper. <laughs> You're caught in impassive logic. Not a prison that can hold me! No, but I think this little device can. It's a cryogenic freezer. Bye-bye, Davros. I hope you enjoyed my little stitching together of a few audio clips to give you an overall idea of the story. Let me now tell you in slightly more words what happens. In the TARDIS, K-9 loses his voice. Romana regenerates into the guise of Princess Astra from the last story. She tries on a number of different bodies before settling on Princess Astra, including that of a belly dancer. The TARDIS lands on a highly radioactive planet, and when the pair, Romana and the Doctor, go out and have a look, they spot humanoids burying someone. A spaceship lands... Explosions drive Romana and the Doctor away, and the Doctor is trapped under some debris. Romana finds the TARDIS buried, is frightened by the appearance of a rough-looking stranger, falls down a shaft, (laughs) and becomes slave labour for the Daleks. The Doctor is rescued by futuristic-looking humanoid Mavellans. I just realised, reading my notes, how redundant saying futuristic is in a sci-fi show. They tell him he is on Skaro, birthplace of the Daleks. The stranger who frightened Romana, starship engineer Tyson, is captured by the Mavellans. He tells the Doctor about Romana, and they, the Doctor, Tyson, and the Mavellans, mount a rescue operation. They head into the Dalek structure. The Doctor identifies it as Khaled, and surmises that the Daleks have returned to their home planet to search for something, The team beat the Daleks to the prize, which turns out to be Davros. Davros awakes, and the Daleks arrive. The Doctor holds Davros hostage with an IED, an improvised explosive device. The Daleks agree to let him and the slaves go after an unpleasant scene in which the Daleks start executing slaves. When the Doctor escapes, he detonates the device, but Davros survives and sends his Daleks to the Mavellan spaceship as suicide bombers. Romana is captured by the Mavellans. The Mavellans test a Nova device 
that can destroy a planet by igniting its atmosphere. After tearing open the tunic of a female Mavellan, much to the shock of Tyson, the Doctor discovers what he had already suspected, that the Mavellans are robots. The Doctor finds out that the warring AI factions, the Daleks and the Mavellans, are in a stalemate due to their over-reliance on pure logic and their matched military capabilities. The Mavellans see the Doctor as their tactical advantage in the same way that the Daleks regard Davros, which explains why the Daleks had returned to Skaro. Tyson and the freed slaves attack the Mavellan ship, while Romana tackles and stops a Mavellan armed with the Nova device. The Doctor confronts Davros, blinds the Dalek guarding him with his hat by throwing it over the Dalek's eye stalk, then blows up the Dalek and detonates the suicide bombers remotely by hitting Davros's big red button. Davros is imprisoned in a small plexiglass box and frozen by the Doctor into cryogenic stasis. The spaceship leaves, taking Davros back to Earth to face justice, while the Doctor and Romana quietly depart. As the Doctor and Romana dig out the TARDIS, the Doctor says... Mistakes can give you the element of surprise and thus an edge and help you win. Romana replies, is that why you always win? And then the Doctor says something like he doesn't make any mistakes and immediately hits the wrong switch off camera as the TARDIS dematerializes. It rematerializes for a moment, then finally departs. Now permit me the teensiest of breaks as I go and have a small slap of Madeira cake. Back in a moment. Hello, I'm back. I really needed that break. Ah. Okay, where were we? Yeah, I'm about to tell you what I thought. Let me tell you what I thought. Let's start with the most trivial and simultaneously most highly entertaining thought and that is we have disco humanoid starship troopers okay if you've been looking at my tweets and listening to me talk lately you'll know i've got a thing for disco and sarah brightman's starship troopers is on my youtube playlist just look at the Mavellan crew. They're garbed in tight stretch white and silver. That look is utterly and completely disco. <laughs> and also a bit Jerry Anderson's UFO Shadow Moonbase girls as well, who are also very disco. 
that gives me the opportunity to impart one of my favourite movie quotes to you that has absolutely nothing to do with Doctor Who, but everything to do with disco, and that is from the 1999 film Mystery Men. Tony Pompadour, played by Eddie Izzard, <laughs> is in conversation with his old crime boss, Casanova Frankenstein, played delightfully, insanely, madly by Geoffrey Rush. Tony P says, Disco is not dead. Disco is life. Casanova Frankenstein replies, Stick with me, Tony, and you will dance again. That came out more like the Count from Sesame Street. Sorry. Or a bad Bella Lugosi. The Mavellan's guns are very similar jazzed-up versions of the sidearms from Blake Seven's Liberator's Armoury. At some point, you know what I'm going to have to do? Just to get this out of my system, I'm going to have to do a feature on Blake Seven's and Doctor Who's common cast and crew. There is a lot of crossover, as most fans know, and I keep going on about this stuff. I also talk about the stylistic similarities, though that is also probably down to set designers and wardrobe. I will do that before I do a revisit of Blake 7 on this show. The regeneration and trying on of bodies scene by Romana at the beginning is funny. The belly dancer is delightfully gratuitous and ridiculous. And damn it all, we could have had a jingly jangly belly dancing Romana. How cool would that have been? Although I think should probably need to wear a coat on many of the adventures. Regarding the new Romana, I find Lala Ward absolutely fine. But over the course of the revisit, I've bonded with Mary Tam's version. It is hard to see a new actress in the role. I find this odd now in retrospect because my memories of the Mary Tam episodes when they were first broadcast are far more fleeting than my recollection of Lala Ward in the role, which are much clearer. The rewatch is definitely changing my opinion of things. Well, it would do, because I was a child when I first watched Doctor Who, and now I'm very much not. This reminds me of the whole Susan, Joe, Sarah, Leela thing all over again. I miss them, and now I miss Romana 1. The cobwebby sleeping Davros was pretty disgusting, but no more so than my own eye. (laughs) At one time, the Doctor almost blows him up with an IED, but unfortunately, the lunatic escapes and his Daleks bear the brunt of the explosion. Um, By the lunatic, I mean Davros, although... 
Saying that, the Doctor does look fairly crazed in this story. On occasion. And adding insult to injury... After that scene, Davros goes on to turn his Daleks into suicide bombers and sends them after the Mavellums with not a thought that they're about to die. There is a scene in which the Doctor mocks the Daleks for being unable to follow him up an air shaft, and yet later we see Dalek suicide bombers rolling over rough ground as if it's nothing. The terrain hides their lower halves from our view. From their unsteady wobbling, it is clear that they are being carried. I suppose the shells of the Daleks are over the Dalek actors, and then the actors are just walking along, pretending to hover quite badly, like a person with a dustbin over their head. The uneven external surfaces also explain K9's absence from this adventure. It would have been just too hard to deal with the unreliable radio-controlled prop, with wheels only suited to smooth surfaces. There is a scene when the Doctor rips open the top of a fallen female android. The Doctor's temporary ally... The rough, tough Tyson is a little shocked, as am I, the older audience. (laughs) But instead of the Doctor facing up to criminal proceedings, the incident instead reveals Robot. And so we find out that this story is largely about Robot versus Robot. Echoes of Mechanoids, anyone? Refer to Pod 44 from 2014, in which I talked about the Doctor Who story The Chase from 1965. Alright, to be perfectly pedantic, we are nerds after all, it's more like Android versus Cyborg Tank. If you want more comedy... There's also the Dalek, blinded by the Doctor placing a hat over its eye stalk. Then the Doctor blowing the Dalek up and finding out that his hat, his beloved fedora, has also been severely damaged. The obvious cultural reference to this story is Westworld from 1973, especially when the Doctor has solid proof that the Mavellans are robots. That scene is very Westworld-ish. Although saying stuff like that at this stage about Doctor Who is almost redundant because there are robots and aliens all over the show. There is another pop-cultural reference, and that is from when Davros is taken prisoner and frozen in a cryotube, after which the spacecraft takes off, heading for Earth where Davros is to face justice. Those scenes are strongly reminiscent, I thought, of Han Solo being frozen in carbamite in The Empire Strikes Back in 1980, a year later. 
I almost feel sorry for Davros. Almost. Small and pathetic in the box and waiting to be frozen. And finally, my concluding thoughts. The story was short and to the point, which I appreciated. Only four episodes. Very action-packed and a lot of stuff happens. It was also very topical for the time, and it introduced a new companion. It featured the most iconic foes of the Doctor, showed horrendous slave labour in a way that we have seen before, obviously echoes the Nazis' treatment of some of their prisoners as slave labour during the Second World War, It poses an interesting question in logic, which is ably illustrated to a young audience by the Doctor's rock-paper-scissors demonstration, and that is what would happen in a state of perfect detente, perfect mutually assured destruction. It then asks the audience to consider the moral dilemma of what one should do in such a situation. I'm not sure that the Doctor's solution to this uneasy equation by breaking the stalemate was a satisfactory one, but the balance was about to be upset in any case by the reintroduction of the brilliant and demented Davros. All in all, I'm going to do something that I said I'd never do again in honour of my last guest, Dr. Mars. Just this one time, I'm going to assign a score to this story. I award four Nova devices out of an unobtainable five Nova devices to this story. Finally, let us talk some trivia. I spotted a young David Yip, the Chinese detective, and Indiana Jones's short-lived comrade in the Temple of Doom. I'm selling him short. He's been in a lot of stuff in the UK. I miss him on the screen. I hope David Yip comes back. There's also Tony Osobo, the maniacal Scottish prisoner in Porridge playing one of the Mavellans. While trapped under some rubble and awaiting rescue, the Doctor reads from a book titled The Origins of the Universe by Ulon Kalufid. That name should be very familiar to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans, who I'm sure are also Doctor Who fans. It is a fictional work from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that was inserted into the script by the script editor at the time, Douglas Adams. What a cheeky bugger. I watched the extras, this time a series of prime computer advertisements from 1980 that were shown on Australian television. It included a mock Tom Baker and Lala Ward marriage proposal, though they were, of course, married in 1980. Of her short-lived 
Marriage of 16 Months to Tom Baker. Lol Award says, I loved and in many ways still love Tom very much. The trouble is, our careers came to be just as important as each other, and we grew apart. I was angry at suggestions that it didn't work because I was too young, or that Tom was unreasonable to me. We just irritated each other occasionally. We weren't close enough. Two alphas cancelling each other out, I suppose. I also read that the couple, when they were married, lived in almost my neck of the woods in a flat in Deptford. Maybe it was a posh part of Deptford or something. Lala Ward is also apparently titled. Her dad was a Viscount, but you know how much we don't really care about titles in this pod. In her favour, she doesn't seem to bang on about her title much, so I don't feel any need to think of Strelnikov's train. Which I'll explain in a different episode, or perhaps never. That, my fellow nerdlings and Whovians, is it. That was my breakdown of Doctor Who Destiny of the Daleks from 1979 brought to you on the wrong day, and probably released on the wrong day as well. But we are back to doing revisits, and that's a good thing. The next pod should be very soon. Probably tomorrow night, or early Tuesday morning, around the same time. That will be our normal Everything Geek show There are about to be some changes, which I'll tell you about then. The show that you just listened to is made by me. My name is Roy Matur. I'm a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast. Did I even say at the top of the show what episode number this was? I'm not sure now. This is and was episode 426, recorded on Monday the 31st of January 2021. The time at the end of the show is 012903. Thanks for listening to me, and join me again very soon. And bye-bye for now. Bye.